before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, and thank you so much for having me into your home today. Now, if you know me at all, you know how much I love seeing other people pay it forward. And I want to share a quote with you that resonated with me this morning. It says, if you get, give. If you learn, teach. Those beautiful words are the epitome of paying it forward, and they were brought to us by poet, dancer, singer, activist, scholar, and author, Maya Angelou. Now, in today's episode, we are chatting about hosting healthcare workers, a topic that's certainly growing in popularity these days. And I couldn't have thought of anyone better to speak on the topic than Alison Valerga. She is a healthcare worker herself and has been hosting healthcare workers inside her properties for more than 15 years. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Alison. Alrighty, welcome friends. Today we are joined by Allison Valerga and we are here to talk about hosting healthcare workers. Such a popular topic these days. And Allison, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Stacey, for having me today and for everything that you do for all of us in the business, from our oh. Facebook group to the larger meetups to the conferences, everything, wonderful resources. Well, thank you so much. Let's start off and just have you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you live. Fantastic. I've been working in hospital and healthcare administration for 15 to 20 years now. I would say that working in healthcare is something that you either you either love or you don't. I love it. I have passion for it. I'm addicted to it. I I can't get away from it. I love the hospital. I love pulling into the parking lot of my hospitals where I work. I love to see another hospital when I travel. I love the smell even. I just, I know that it's a place where good work is being done every day and people are being helped. We're a great resource for the entire community as they go through often some of the most challenging times of their lives and sometimes some of the best times of their lives. And that's really the core of what motivates me in what I do day to day. So cool. Now I'm curious about your real estate investing portfolio. Talk to me about the location, where, where your property is located. 
Absolutely. My real estate journey and my healthcare journey actually kind of start together. Early on in my healthcare career, I had a leader who, along with her husband, who was a real estate brokerage owner, were real estate investors. They did pretty much everything. They had rental property, they flipped, they did live-in flips, they did pretty much everything you could think of. And it was honestly through working side by side with her, because you overhear phone conversations, you overhear projects, you overhear ideas that they have. That was really kind of what piqued my interest as far as I want to do this too. I could do this. Hey, uh, what do you think about this? And it was really great to have someone that you could informally bounce ideas off of and get inspiration. They're both still in my life. Shout out to GK and BK, who I'm going to see next month. They were really who started me down the real estate investing journey. And I'm now going to say something that's going to make a lot of people probably angry at me is that this was kind of 2008, 2009 when I started. And the first places I bought rental properties were in Phoenix, Arizona. So I was lucky enough to pick up a few properties there. That's what started the journey. And then as we all know, once you get those first couple under your belt, it's much easier to keep it moving. I mean, and some of that is experience. You're not as scared. You, you know the vocabulary. You know who to ask. You know where to start. And some of it is to just financial. When you make a good buy and it appreciates, then you have equity that you can tap to do your next projects. So that was how I got started. I still own all those properties in Arizona. Again, don't hate me too much. <laughs> and then from there, from there, I purchased a couple of properties that were more in the lifestyle asset category. I really enjoy going to Palm Springs, California. I bought a property there that I furnished so that I would be able to use it as well. I also bought a property in a part of Louisiana outside of New Orleans where my family lives that I furnished as well because that way I have a place to stay when I visit my family. And when I started with those two furnished properties, I went with what I know, which was the hospitals. I contacted the hospitals. I contacted the facilities in the area. And I started renting to many of the different types of traveling healthcare workers that were in that area coming to those properties. I love that. So now that, now that you mentioned the different types of traveling healthcare workers, I do think that that's a big question mark for a lot of folks. Number one, who are all the different types of healthcare workers that have a need to rent properties like yours? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that everyone knows about and what everyone mentions is traveling nurses. Everyone understands that traveling nurses come. Everyone they're talked about as a good, a good tenant pool, a good place to start. Absolutely true. They're often what comes to mind first. They are called travel nurses, traveling nurses within the hospitals and our facilities ourselves within our world, we often call them agency nurses or agency staff because, and I'll get into why that's why that is in just a little bit. They're employed by different staffing agencies. They're not employed by the hospital they come and work at. For example, the St. John agency will employ a bunch of nurses and send them out to work at different facilities. They're not employed by the hospital in your area. They provide critical staffing coverage. It's either 
the hospital can't hire enough people. You have a sudden need that's too quick. You know, you can't onboard people fast enough. Maybe they're opening a new unit. They don't have experienced people in that area. There's a lot of different reasons why travelers can get used. They typically work 13 week contracts, but there can be a lot of variability in there. Sometimes they will bring travelers on for a week, a month, filling a maternity gap, a staff leave, things like that. So traveling nurses are a significant portion of the healthcare workers who'd be renting your property, but they're not the only ones. There's a lot more to consider. The first is other professionals like traveling nurses, physicians, doctors can work in a capacity exactly like traveling nurses. They're employed by agencies. They're sent out to cover gaps, onboard new facilities, different things. These are often referred to as locum tenens doctors, or we call them sometimes again in the hospital, we just call them a locums, like, oh, the a locums doctors covering that floor for this week or for this month. L-O-U-C-U-M-T-E-N-E-N-S is the term you want to look for. And there's a reason why you need to know these terms. And we'll get into that later when we talk about outreach. Again, locum tenens doctors come to all types of facilities, big ones, small ones. That's another misperception I want to address really quickly. When people think about travelers, they often think about big, busy urban hospitals. This is true. Big facilities have a lot of staff, so they need a lot of staff. They can also have gaps. However, your little teeny tiny rural facilities, rural clinics, small areas, small populations, they often really struggle with recruitment and coverage and can really depend on travelers as well. So even if you have a more remote property, you might not be out of luck there as well. Interesting. Nurse practitioners, pharmacists, physical therapists, they can all work in the same capacity as travel nurses and locum tenens physicians, fulfilling short contracts, coming to cover areas, onboarding something new. So those are all others you wanna search for. After you think about temporary workers, the next thing you need to think about when serving this population is the educational process. For all types of medical education, whether it's nurses, doctors, physician assistants and nurse practitioners, physical therapists, pharmacists, they all go through um, a period of their training that's called clinicals. The first part of training is classroom training, and then the second part is clinicals. Clinicals are where they work for free or they're paying money to work. It's not a not a great light, greater easy lifestyle for them to take care of patients in different areas. Sometimes they do all their clinicals near where they went to school, near where they live. They don't necessarily need a place to live, but a lot of them travel quite far afield in order to get their clinical education needs met. So these can be month rotations. These can be six month rotations. Resident physicians will come to an area for a year, two years, three years. They, and it's a very itinerant time in their life for all these people. So they can show up with a toothbrush and a suitcase and need a place to live for three weeks or for three years. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just curious, how might one find out if there is a facility around them that offers this clinical aspect of the educational process? If you're interested in renting to people who are in the medical education process, the first thing you need to look for is if there are any teaching hospitals near your rental properties. 
Teaching hospitals are hospitals that provide medical education, meaning they have residency programs, they offer medical student clinical rotations. If they offer those two things for physicians, they probably offer them for nurses and these other specialties as well. It's pretty easy to Google a lot of these things. And what makes it really great for us as far as finding contacts and finding direct outreach for these medical education programs is that they are advertising themselves to potential candidates to come and train at their facilities. So they're very transparent about listing the contact information for the residency coordinator or the clinical rotation coordinator. And that can be a real gold mine as far as direct bookings go. Okay. I love that. Now I'm curious from your perspective, knowing that a good portion of the guests that you have welcomed inside many of your properties have been in the healthcare field What, in your words, makes these healthcare workers a different type of guest than a traditional guest? And what is the benefits as the property owner to rent to them? The benefit that's most important to me is that you're helping your community in an extremely direct way, and you're also helping drive the future of healthcare. One thing that many people don't know is that when we don't have staff to take care of the patients in the hospital, we have to close the beds. We can't admit people. We can't accommodate people. We can't do surgeries that are needed. We can't provide treatment when we don't have staff to provide it. So we sometimes, when we're in a tough position, have to rely on travelers, have to bring in extra help in order to keep these beds open, in order to do the surgeries that are needed, in order to provide the care that the community needs. And the travelers, in turn, often cite finding housing as one of the most difficult parts of this process. So when you can help those travelers find the housing that they need, you're directly leading to care that your community needs being provided. That's the thing that's most important to me. When you can meet their needs and you can do it well, you can, if you're providing nice housing and good sleep for a doctor, I, I can't even explain the impact that's gonna have on their ability to provide high level, high quality care to your friends, your neighbors, people in your area. It's very rewarding. It's it's good to help them out at this critical time in their life. That training process that I mentioned, in particular, clinical education, it's so difficult for them. It's so challenging. It's a tough time in their life. They're using their brain, their body, their everything as much as they can. Being able to be a part of that, their journey and being able to be a part of the medical education process for people is really rewarding and really wonderful as well. I love that you mentioned providing good housing and good sleep helps these medical workers actually be the very best that they can be in their day-to-day job. It's such a unique perspective that I've candidly never thought of. You know, when you provide a comfortable place for them to get some rest and relaxation, they're able to recharge and be better healthcare workers, which absolutely impacts the health of our communities. That's awesome. There's other reasons to to rent to them as well. If you have a short-term rental and you're you have an off season and this is you want to fill some gaps, maybe you want a vacation yourself and so you don't want to be doing a bunch of turns and a bunch of customer service and you just want to put someone in there for a certain period of time, these they can be great candidates for that to fill those things. They're professionals They're often very experienced as far as traveling. They can be really great low maintenance guests. 
there's extensive background checking they have to go through. You have to do more to get a hospital badge than you have to do to get a passport. As far as checking your background, substance abuse, drug testing, a bunch of other items that they have to go through. So I, there's always exceptions, but these tend to be extremely high quality guests, ex often extremely low maintenance, wonderful people to run to. So those are just some of the reasons why you might want to consider opening your property to these people. So I'm curious, obviously, based on the target audience being healthcare workers, and we just talked about how important it is to be able to have a place for them to get good rest. So I'm imagining a comfortable mattress is going to be an important amenity. What other types of amenities do you feel like are most important if you're wanting to cater to the healthcare audience? Absolutely. As we mentioned, sleep is key. A lot of the travelers that are coming through are often working second and third shift. These, again, are positions that can be tough to fill. It can be harder to hire for these shifts. So that's why we sometimes fall to traveler use in order to fill the positions. So your place might be great to sleep in at night, but have you ever tried to sleep in your place during the day? Do you have blackout curtains? Do you have the curtain rods that wrap all the way around to the corner so the blackout curtain goes all the way around <laughs> the edge and truly covers? Do you know if there are noise issues maybe with mail delivery or trash pickup or different things like that in your area? Are there things you can do to mitigate those? Uh, a white noise machine is great big giant bin of foam earplugs, leave a few earplugs for people. Just kind of testing your place out for daytime sleep can be really important. And then that's something that you can highlight in your marketing materials that you, you know, blackout curtains, you know, daytime, daytime sleep equipped, things like that. I would also say some really, some basic things to consider. I'm sure most of us have a great kitchen in our property, but again, go and cook a couple meals in your property. If you've been used to just doing weekends and shorter stays and things like that, you might not be used to having someone stay in your place for a month plus and be doing a bunch of meal prep and maybe cooking bigger meals. So I will also say that every hospital runs on caffeine. <laughs> so really making sure that your coffee game is strong is important. Machines like a Keurig or an espresso are great. At minimum, a good drip coffee maker. Things like French press and pour over tools and a grinder. These are all things that are simple to pick up. One other amenity to consider are items related to health and fitness. If your property has a gym in it, highlight that, feature that, if there are local gyms in your area that will do week, month, no strings attached memberships, mention that, distances to them, hiking trails, biking trails, running and walking trails, things like that. Not every traveling healthcare worker is a fitness enthusiast, but they are in the health industry and a lot of them are. And the final thing I'll mention is probably the most important other than the daytime sleep issue, which is accommodating pets. When you're a traveling healthcare worker, it can kind of be a lonely lifestyle. You're away from friends, you're away from family, you're on your own a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot of traveling nurses have pets. Dogs in particular is what I see a lot of. So if you are willing to be dog friendly, have a couple of amenities for that, can prep for that in your setup of your facility, being dog friendly will really help you accommodate a lot of travel nurses. Amazing. 
such amazing insight. I'm curious when it comes to, let's say, hosting pets, a lot of folks who are pet friendly will have an additional pet fee for a stay. But oftentimes, you know, in a traditional short term rental guest scenario, that stay may be three days or five days, and their pet fee is maybe. $75 or $200. Maybe they have an additional deposit that they charge. Talk with us about how a pet fee could apply in one of these longer stays that may be, let's say, 13 weeks. How would you restructure your pet fees, if at all, for catering to that longer stay? Overall, when you're catering to these longer stays and working with people, I use my short-term rental and furnished rental knowledge. I also use some of my knowledge with the fact that I own long-term rental, traditional rental properties. It's kind of a mix. You often, you want to have a lease agreement. You want to have a deposit. You want to have a lot of those things that you have with long-term traditional rentals that many of us who particularly who use the online travel agencies don't do. And yes, you want to definitely have, I do a pet fee that's non-refundable. I also do a pet deposit that is refundable. When you're looking to set these up for your properties, make sure you check what the laws are in your state because sometimes there are rules as far as how much you can charge for different deposits. So make sure you're in line with those. I know what it's going to cost to clean up a big mess in one of my properties. I think all of us at this point, if you're listening to this podcast and you have properties, you've cleaned up a big mess before. (laughs) And so you know what I'm talking about. You know about what that price tag is for a big cleanup. Make sure that whatever you're charging would cover that. It's a lot easier to spend money that you already have than to try to get money out of someone, particularly if the relationship has turned unpleasant in whatever way. So charging a larger deposit upfront, being able to refund it all is definitely the way I would recommend people go versus trying to bill for damages after and get replacements funded and things like that. Don't feel upset about this. Boarding a dog is extremely expensive. So if they're not having to board their pets, they're able to bring their pet with them to do some of these things. You need to protect your property and protect yourself, but they also need to understand that it comes with a little bit of an extra cost. No, that makes complete sense. I also want to ask you about consumables. You know, again, in a traditional short-term rental setting, let's say you've got a guest coming in to stay for a long weekend and you are supplying them with toilet paper and paper towels and coffee. I'm curious for these longer stays for the healthcare workers, how do you adjust the consumables that you provide or do you, do you provide 13 weeks worth of toilet paper? Talk to me about that. I think it's fine to set people up with a starter amount of product. They don't need to walk into a bare bones place that's empty and has nothing in it. You should definitely have all of your basic consumables there for them to use, but not 13 weeks worth. And just make that clear in the early conversations, make that clear in your lease documents that you provide a starter, and then they're responsible for shopping on their own after that. I don't get a lot of um, confusion or pushback on that from, from these people. They understand. They're used to shopping. One other quick tip that I'll give everyone is I've added a line to my checkout guide that I don't know if I can remember it verbatim, but I've added a line to my checkout guide that says, I don't expect you to replace 
everything that was used, but if any supplies have run out, I appreciate any restock. And since I've started adding that line to my checkout guide, I find that when I show up or my cleaner shows up to turn it over, they've replaced. If I started them out with six rolls of toilet paper, there's like a half of a 16 pack left there for me, you know, and things like that. So just kind of giving them a little gentle reminder that this isn't like the free store for you to wipe out. (laughs) Right. I haven't, honestly, I have a couple, one of my properties, I haven't had to buy toilet paper in quite a while. I find that people kind of leave whatever I left there for them and then it's good for the next round. So I haven't had a lot of challenges with that lately. A lot of people are concerned with it, but kind of just being, asking them to act like adults and you acting like an adult too, it all comes out good. It goes a long way, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really does, it really does. So, Allison, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about pricing and rates. You know, again, when I think about a traditional short-term rental, we can leverage data tools like Price Labs and the like to help us identify what uh, current market rate might be for our short-term rentals. Talk to me about how you go about pricing for a healthcare worker. Is there a different strategy that you take? And if so, what does that look like? I think you kind of gave away the answer, Stacey, when you were asking me the question, because you use the term market rate. And that's really the answer. It's the market rate. I think there's a tiny bit of confusion in this because there was some tomfoolery that went on during the pandemic when the stipends for the nurses were extremely high because they were having to pay extremely high stipends in order to get people in the door to work. And there was some foolishness where people thought, oh, these nurses are getting this much money. That means I can charge them double my regular market rate. That's not how that's not how it works, in my opinion. You charge the market rate for your property. If someone's getting a premium because they're in an extremely challenging and risky situation, that's not your business, <laughs> in my opinion. So there there is no special rate for healthcare workers unless you're wanting to be generous. I have a friend in Palm Springs, actually, who I've connected him with some of the medical students who ask me for housing because I have more medical students asking me for housing than I can accommodate. So I pass them on to some of my friends. I have a friend who has this unbelievable, gorgeous home with a huge art collection in it. And he was always very uncomfortable about leaving it empty for the summer. And not having anyone in there. So now through me, I, these poor medical, these little medical students, they're going to hate all their housing for the rest of their rotation. <laughs> he's, he's not concerned about what they pay. He, he does take rent from them, but it's, I don't even know if it covers his utilities. He just wants someone trustworthy in his home over the summer keeping an eye on everything and keeping an eye on his art collection. To set the market rate for your property, you you just look at comps. Honestly, Google Google furnished properties in your areas. Look at what other people are charging. You can put month blocks of dates in on Airbnb and VRBO and look at those. I also look on Zillow and places like that. I'm not above a fake phone call. You know, I'll call a place and pretend to be interested to find out what their terms are, what they're charging, what's going on you should be able to fairly easily come up with what's the going rate for a month to month rental furnished rental property with the items included in your area. So. Got it. Wonderful. 
The other thing that I am super curious about is outreach. How does one go about attracting a healthcare worker to book their property or getting in touch with the agencies that you mentioned earlier? Absolutely. The first thing to think about is location. I would say that any healthcare facility that's within a half an hour drive of your property is fair game or half an hour commute time if you're in a large city where people use public transit. So kind of drop that pin where your property is on Google Maps and then start searching out from there until you get to a half an hour range around. And I would make a list of all the names of all of those facilities. And I'm not just talking about hospitals. I'm also talking about long-term care facilities, nursing homes, physical therapy clinics, things like that. There's a lot more than just hospitals. Hospitals are a great place to start. But make a list of everything that's within a half an hour of your property. Then you can start searching for travel, nursing, job, local hospital name. And just do some Googling around, do some searching. In most areas, there's two or three agencies that dominate, that will be the dominant agencies in your area that will be listing most of the jobs. And again, it's easy for us because these recruiters are trying to get people to contact them. So it's pretty sweet. In some of these job postings, the recruiter will have their email address and their cell phone number right in the job posting. So you can reach right out to this recruiter and say, hey, I can see that you're recruiting for this position in this area. I have a property. You know, if you're if you place someone and they need housing, I'd love for us to work together. So that's, that's a great way to get started. You can also search for the physician jobs in that same way of locum tenens, jobs, hospital name. You can use your community name if that's easier to. It should be pretty easy to dig up these job listings. That's an easy way to gauge demand for your area too. Are there a lot of jobs posted? So obviously these facilities are using a lot of travelers. This is a good p- thing for you. Or are there just really not many or not any? you know, then there might not be as much agency use in your area. Working directly with the agencies can be wonderful. So you can have, you can build good relationships with them. You can be their go-to person so that they know, okay, I'm placing someone here in Stacy's area. I'm going to reach out to her and see if her place is open so that I know I'll have housing. So. Amazing. And, you know, I, I love that you mentioned that you can develop relationships with these folks and really become a resource for them as much as they're a resource for you. So it really truly creates a win-win scenario, which is the best in my book. And beyond working with the agencies and building those relationships, there's a lot of really straightforward things you can do. If you go to any of my listings on the online travel agencies on Airbnb and VRBO, the first line of my description says like, you know, attention, doctors, nurses, techs, I am a tra- I am a hospital employee as well. Please contact me for a special offer. So special offer doesn't necessarily mean a discount off market rate. It might mean I will waive a certain fee for you, or I'll let you move in and move out a day or two early, things like that. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a financial discount unless you want to offer a financial discount for people, but just kind of piquing their interest and addressing them directly. Again, because these renters and by extension, our properties are kind of occupying a middle space where we're not truly a short-term vacation rental. 
we're we can in some ways be closer to a traditional long-term rental i use some of those traditional long-term rental marketing tools with good success as well i list on zillow i list on apartments.com both of those two have been very good for me with getting leads and are free there's also a lot of talk about furnished finders in this space and furnished finders is it's not truly an online travel agency. It's not full service like VRBO and Airbnb. Furnished Finders is like Zillow or like apartments.com that you can kind of create a listing on there. And then it puts you directly in touch with candidates who are looking for property. It has some application tools, some background check tools. I think you can tell by my tone and my voice, I'm not a big furnished finders user. I just haven't needed it. My properties have stayed full. However, I have a couple of friends who do a lot of midterm rentals like this, rent a lot to traveling healthcare workers. They both love furnished finders and really attest to it and really stand behind it. So I think it's a product worth investigating as well. Love it. So cool. There is so much goodness happening here. And Allison, I just, again, want to give you a shout out for what you are doing to educate people, not only by being a guest on this podcast, but you also lead the hosting healthcare workers meetup inside the short-term rental society. And I know that is a super popular place for folks to come and get education on a monthly basis on this very topic. So thank you for doing that as well. I want to, before you go, I want to go into the lightning round, which is a super fun set of questions. And what I'm going to ask you to do is simply answer with the very first thing that comes to mind. First question is, where is your favorite place to vacation? Oh, I've already said it like three times in this talk, which would be Palm Springs, California. That was the first like lifestyle asset furnished property that I did because I truly feel, feel that love for that area and felt that like I need to own a piece of this and I need to have some of this for myself to enjoy for the rest of my life. It has all of the cultural and activity amenities of a huge city, but all the convenience of a small town. And if you're into strange design and mid-century design and interesting architecture and different forms of expression, it is one of the best places in the world to go. So super cool. All right. Now, what is one place you've never been that you want to visit? Oh, I've got Sicily on my list for later this spring or summer. That would be a pretty epic trip. I've been to Italy, but I've never been to Sicily. I've never been super far south and I'm intrigued. So cool. All right. What is one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you were starting out hosting healthcare workers? I think for hosting in general, the thing that new hosts need to have is confidence. Have confidence in your processes, have confidence in your property, have confidence in the fact that you are doing an incredibly generous thing by offering your home for other people to stay. And don't let unreasonable situations or dissatisfied renters that don't want to be satisfied, don't let them take your confidence away in doing a good job and running your business well. Love that. Love that. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh gosh, I have a funny one for the real estate world. And as a real estate agent, you're going to love this one too. Okay. I had a really gruff contractor who once said to me, 
bad house, good street, make money. <laughs> and I love it. It applies to so many things. It applies to selecting the right property. It applies to not over improving. It applies to knowing your numbers. It applies to knowing, you know, when to buy and when to sell. I love it. Bad house, good street, make money. I love it. It kind of sounds like Yoda talking to oh. it or talking about it's it as really well. It's a really gruff contractor, but he did good work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. What is one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? Gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say those early, the the early mentor couple I had. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for the two of them, and that's part of the motivation of why I'm willing to share all this stuff. And I'll tell you all the nitty gritty details of how the hospitals book and what we put together and what we do because I would not have anything that I have without other people sharing their input and their experience with me. So I'm here to do it for other people as well. So yeah, I'm grateful for the, all, all of the real estate mentors I've had, but particularly that couple who helped me a lot early in my journey. And I love that you are paying it forward because that is how we make this world a better place by helping someone else out. So thank you for doing that, Allison. Thank you again. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if you didn't put all the effort you do into building all these different communities and resources for everyone else to draw from. Well, the pleasure is mine. I can tell you that. All right. So if someone wants to learn more about seeing healthcare workers or just wants to get in touch with you in general, besides attending a short-term rental society meetup, what is the best place for them to find you online? They can find me in your Facebook group, in the Female Short-Term Rental Investors group. My name, again, is Allison Valerga, V as in Victor, A-L-L-E-R-G-A. I also have a website. It's just allisonvalerga.com. Again, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-V-A-L-L-E-R-G-A.com. I have some resources on there. There's a contact me box. You can use that. I'm also on Instagram, as we all are, and my Instagram is at hosting dot healthcare. So H-O-S-T-I-N-G dot healthcare. And you can message me on there as well. I love it. Allison, thank you so, so much for sharing such great nuggets of information. And we appreciate it. Thank you. Before we wrap up today, I want to give a shout out to a few amazing ladies inside the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. Just yesterday, Elena Rathji posted, help a girl out. When you were first starting out, name your top unnecessary buys and best buys. And in one day, we have 60 women who have paid it forward and shared their suggestions. One of my favorites came from Leslie Ryan Chandler, and she writes that she likes to purchase touch lamps with charging ports. That's a really good one, Leslie. Super, super good one. All right. Feel free to dive into the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group to see the other 59 comments and again, get connected with more than 36,000 women who eat, sleep, breathe, and talk about short-term rentals each and every day. And with that, my friends, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. I hope you have an amazing week and I will certainly 
see you soon. Okay, sister, are you ready to start making your short-term rental dreams a reality, but feeling lost, stuck, or just overwhelmed? Here's what I know for sure. You deserve everything you're dreaming of, and you deserve to get it with ease, support, and joy. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go to stacystjohn.com slash webinar and watch my free masterclass where you will get the scoop on how to leave your W-2 and start building your dream life with five simple steps. If you're ready to have more time to spend with friends and family doing the things you love, adding a ton of zeros to your bank balance, and start living your short-term rental dream, you need to watch this masterclass. Head over to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar right now to start watching. That's stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar, and I will see you there.